So the more I talk about this, the more I think actually enigmatic Tillich's thought has become. So as a means of clarification, I have only obfuscated. Welcome back to the Rafa Tsuma podcast, or the RZ. Today's podcast is titled The Idolatry of Biblical Literalism, According to Paul Tillich. I want to answer the question about how one can speak of a literal reading of the Bible as idolatrous. And in many ways, I want to use this as a way to get into the thought of Paul Tillich, as well as demonstrate a little of the variety that theological reflection might take. Employing the word idolatrous indicates a couple of things. Firstly, that this critique of reading the Bible literally is coming from a theological perspective. There is academic discourse that employs a lot of nuance regarding theological reflection, but in popular culture, at least some of it that I'm familiar with, oftentimes people think in the binary of Christianity versus atheism or some religion versus another religion. And this will demonstrate an approach that is definitely different and also to show a little bit of that nuance as well. I am not a Tillich scholar. I think a lot of times people from academia are hesitant to speak on certain issues because of the fact that they are specialized to such a degree in some area and that deep knowledge into a certain aspect you become aware of the limits of your knowledge as well as the multifaceted nature of arguments and, and interpretations, which sometimes can lead people to a certain paralysis of actually making any statement or speaking on certain topics in a definitive way because of that awareness. For instance, this is going to be very surface level because I am not a Tillich scholar. This discussion is going to be based on Tillich's dynamics of faith. I've read a few other things by Tillich, but I am by no means a scholar in the field of Paul Tillich. And to begin to start to kind of unpack this idea, I'm going to read a passage from the dynamics of faith, and then we'll get into some of the key concepts in Tillich that allows him to assert that a literal reading of the Bible is idolatrous. So I'm going to begin quoting from the Dynamics of Faith. In this passage, he's addressing a biblical literalism. I'm going to begin here. The symbols and myths are understood in their immediate meaning. The material taken from nature and history is used in its proper sense. The character of the symbol to point beyond itself to something else is disregarded. Creation is taken as a magical act which happened once upon a time. The fall of Adam is localized on a spatial geographical point and attributed to a human individual. The virgin birth of the Messiah is understood in biological terms, resurrection and ascension as physical events, the second coming of Christ as telluric or cosmic catastrophe. The presupposition of such literalism is that God is a being acting in time and space, dwelling in a spatial place, affecting the course of events. Skipping slightly ahead, he states, Literalism deprives God of his ultimacy and, religiously speaking, of his majesty. End quote. 
anyone unfamiliar with Tillich's thought might find these words quite strange, particularly coming from a Protestant theologian, because he seems to be dismantling or at least strongly disagreeing with the way most people would, who call themselves conservative Christians, at least in the United States, uh, how those people read the Bible. However, he is concurrently upholding Christianity, from his vantage point even defending it from both a secular atheism and an idolatrous literalism. To add one more quote before unpacking this, he explicitly states that a literalist reading is idolatrous. Faith, if it takes its symbols literally, becomes idolatrous. It calls something ultimate, which is less than ultimate. Faith, conscious of the symbolic character of its symbols, gives God the honor which is due him. End quote. So it takes a little bit of understanding of his thought to realize where he's going with this. And this is a small passage in the dynamics of faith. It's not that that work is solely to dismantle some literalist reading, but rather to flesh out what he means by faith, symbols, God, etc. So I think it's easiest to start with the idea of the symbol and then work to myth, talk about Christianity, and then make, have a note on God and faith, kind of defining all these in Tillich's thought, and then from that, be able to understand how reading the Bible literally is a idolatrous way of looking at the Bible. And if it wasn't clear from that quote, when he means literal, he just means you read it as it is. You read that God created the earth in seven days, and therefore it must be seven actual days. Or you read that Jesus was resurrected from the dead, and therefore there was a corpse that was killed and then later and later resurrected. For most people, you would think that that's how you read the Bible. However, Tillich is interested in understanding the nature of religion and God and his tradition of Lutheran Christianity. He's wrestling with the modern world and trying to understand and make sense of or even defend the vitality of religion while not putting his head in the sand and ignoring current developments in human thought and great advances in scientific understanding of the world. Beginning with the symbol, as a way of clarifying, Tillich juxtaposes the sign and the symbol. The sign he speaks about, I think he uses the image of a traffic light. When it's red, you stop. When it's green, you go. These are arbitrary. They're systematic elements put in to help society function smoother. Everyone understands that. And that's purely surface level and could be changed. There's no larger connection to the sign other than its function in many ways. The symbol, on the other hand, he uses the idea of a national flag. The flag is a symbol, but also participates in the thing itself. For instance, you have the American flag. When people see that flag, it conveys something beyond itself. It represents the country and as such participates in what that country is. One only has to look to the Olympics, to militaries, to public parades, processions, sporting events to recognize the power in that symbol. 
religious symbols are not only the signs of a certain specific concrete religion in human history, but participate in the essence of what they point towards. And the religious symbol in Tillich points towards that which is of our ultimate concern. So religious symbols participate in that which is of our ultimate concern, which is participates in the essence of meaning, for lack of a better term here, but are not necessarily the thing itself, but participate in its essence. From symbol, we want to go to myth. A myth is a collection, the collection of religious symbols. And in this way, Tillich can speak of Christianity as a myth, but not a myth in the, let's say, colloquial usage of myth, something mythological that everybody does knows doesn't exist, but is basically a fanciful story or something that is kind of far out there. The myth is actually quite important for giving us meaning in the world and giving us orientation in, in history, in time. And so bear with me here. So Christianity is mythological, but he also talks about Christianity knowing no unbroken myth. And what he means by a broken myth is a myth that understands itself as myth. There was a period in the 20th century where some theologians and historians engage in a process called demythologicalization. Kind of a big sounding word. Essentially, it was just researching in the historical records available to try to verify the claims made, and particularly by Christianity, the church, the text of the Bible. For instance, the Red Sea, when Moses parted the Red Sea, trying to ascertain from the Bible as well as other sources the location, what the historical event might have actually been utilizing historical critical methods. This is quite controversial because frequently there was a certain amount of suspicion cast upon a lot of these famous biblical events, and that can stir some emotions in people when that's a heartfelt belief in something being a certain way and then being told that uh, maybe that it was different for this and this reason. There's another historical document that explains something differently, and you start to see the text of the Bible unravel in a certain way from a very simplistic reading of it. But for Tillich, this isn't an issue at all. He thinks, in fact, that this needs to be embraced if to only point out the broken nature of the myth. Because the myth, as collections of symbols, is simply pointing to, like the flag, and participating in the essence of that which is of our utmost concern. Therein, you see the true nature of religion for Tillich, and Christianity in particular. At this point, I've used this term ultimate concern a couple of times, and I think it's due some clarification, as it's also very important in the thought of Paul Tillich. And it is hard to speak about what he means by ultimate concern without speaking first about how he understands God and how he understands faith. For Tillich, God is understood as something beyond being, beyond existence, or sometimes the, the ground of being that which from being itself springs. And religious symbols participate in that essence and point us towards that essence, and one might say are historical, contingent, 
manifestations pointing us towards that which is beyond being. Now, to speak of faith, faith, Tillich says, is the state of being ultimately concerned. This really puzzled me for a while. It just seems so enigmatic. A brief autobiographical element to Paul Tillich was that he is a German theologian, later moved to the United States and taught there for many, many years. I think it's worth taking a look at his German in order to add some nuance to the idea of ultimate concern. So he says, faith is the state of being ultimate concern in English. In a lecture on religious analysis of culture, he states that faith is, he says, Glaube ist das Ergriffensein von etwas, was uns unbedingt angeht. Und Gott ist der Name für den Inhalt dessen, was uns unbedingt angeht. So he says, faith is the state of being gripped by something that you could say ultimate concern, but also the German word for concern, angehen, is different than, for instance, the English word for concern can be translated with a few different German words that have significant differing interpretations. Often when I think of concern, I actually think of the German word Sorge, which relates to the idea of care or worry or to be able to take care of something. I'll take care of that for you. Whereas Angehen can be more of a, which is the word he uses in German for concern, has the idea of being able to, to tackle something, to even address something, approach even, and therefore to be gripped by something that addresses us as our ultimate importance or that which we ultimately are concerned for is the idea of Tillich's for faith. He even says somewhere that he thinks faith is something like faith is maybe not even worth speaking about, but only does because of its importance in religious talk. But basically that it, the idea of faith has been so diluted that we have lost any real true sense of what faith might be. But then he goes on to give his own definition and, and argue for that. So to kind of recap, we have symbols that point towards something else, but not as a sign, but actually participate in the essence of that thing. And the myth is these collections, collection of that. And the broken myth just demonstrates that religion is mythological in nature, but a myth that participates in the truth, in the sense of that desire, in that concern that we might be grasped by, and the content thereof being God, who is the ground from which being springs. And the symbols in religion provide that truth and meaning and point towards that beyond being, but are contingent, are historical. Therefore, you can see that a contemporary literal reading, that doesn't mean that the authors who wrote didn't believe them in a certain way, but to look at the world today and to use one's own theological reasoning and even to read the Bible in the way Tillich does, to turn and obstinately push back with a literalist definition is idolatrous. Because if you take God and you turn God into some being out there, then this actually reduces God from his ultimacy. Because God is always that which is beyond the subject-object relationship. So when we think about our interaction with the world outside of ourselves, the physical world, this is I am the subject interacting with other objects, but God is something always beyond this. Insofar as that is the case, to read the Bible in this literal way is a way to make God less than he is, and even turn the symbols into mere stories 
that are true are historical, but take away from the symbolic nature that they serve. And so a literalist reading is idolatrous, meaning serving a false god, because it's the god of one's own shallow theological position. It's not hard to imagine that Tillich's thought was controversial. From the side of philosophy, it can seem that Tillich is merely inserting his Christianity into certain existential philosophical ideas in order to save them. I mean, that's a very surface-level critique, but nevertheless is a pretty easy way to look at that from the outside of the Christian tradition. From the conservative Christian side, there can be a reaction as Tillich's thought is in many ways a dismantling of that viewpoint, that way of looking at the world. And so you can even have some wires crossed when it comes to a very liberal expression of the faith like Tillich, who nevertheless holds to the truth of Christianity, holds to that tradition, defends that tradition, while nevertheless conceiving of it in a way that a literalist conservative Christian would see as many ways atheistic. So that's kind of wrapping it up. I hope that that shed a little bit of insight into the thought of Paul Tillich, as well as just demonstrating the broad range and different ways to think theologically, even about a certain tradition and how there can be so many disparate views within even a small division of a larger religion. For instance, Tillich is a Lutheran, he's a Protestant, and even within that tradition, there would be large disagreements on the nature of God, faith, etc. It's pretty interesting to read Paul Tillich, and even if one doesn't entirely agree with him, it is quite fruitful to engage with the way he processes reading um, religious texts, and he even goes about trying to defend Christianity above that of other religions, because one could say, well, if it's just God is the ground of being or from which being springs and isn't everything God. Now, everything can be revelation for Tillich, and that's a little bit different. Um, you know, you could talk, one could speak on Tillich's theology for a long time. I almost said ad nauseum, but that would be probably a little disrespectful to Tillich. Um, yeah, I think I'm going to, I think I'm going to end it there. I would recommend reading the Dynamics of Faith first. He has another popular work called The Courage to Be, also very interesting. I think Dynamics of Faith is better if you want to understand Tillich's reading of the Christian faith. The Courage to Be is insightful in his analysis of kind of a, he gives kind of a summary interpretation of the history of Western philosophy. That itself is is quite interesting, um, but I think when it comes to his, I first read The Courage to Be and actually felt that reading the dynamics of faith thereafter provided a lot of context and really gave better insight into his interpretation and his expression of Christianity than The Courage to Be did, which is almost a more of a broader look at the idea of courage and it's religious expression and, and how one can face life in, in many ways through this idea of courage, which has religious undertones, and but it nevertheless doesn't give quite as much context into the way he thinks theologically. And of course, it's probably all related, so you should probably read his systematic theology if you really want to understand that, and then his lectures and his notes and, you know, 
if you want to go the whole academic route, but uh, I would say, yeah, Dynamics of Faith is good. Courage to Be is good. Those two are, I believe, originally written in English as well. So, yeah. So, Matt, 